Hello, I'm AT. Welcome to the Bulldog Gear podcast, where we aim to open up conversations and create discussions around the practical habits, ethos, and philosophies of the most successful people in our industry. Here, we will endeavor to identify, unpack, and discuss the actions and habits of fiercely successful individuals in and around the fitness space in an attempt to create clear, actionable philosophies for you guys to experiment with and implement on your own journey of self-improvement. Hello and welcome back. On this episode, we are joined by Richard Acevas, who many of you will know as Rare Barracuda. Richard is a coach who has devoted his career to understanding movement at both physiological and neurological levels. He's helped many, many other coaches increase their capacity to help others through the various movements he's been a part of. Richard is a true journeyman whose unparalleled curiosity has led him down many rabbit holes of exploration and experimentation, coming back with answers for the rest of us. We chewed the fat on the barriers to entry surrounding exercise, connecting with clients and learning where the line is between exercise enriching your life and taking away from it. There is without a doubt a part two on the horizon as there are many, many more topics I'd love to explore with Rich, but for now, enjoy. Hey Richard, how you doing dude? Hey man, how's it going? Great to be on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, for any listeners who, who, who don't know who you are, who don't already follow you on Instagram, etc., I wonder if you could give us a, uh, a quick kind of backstory or a, a brief sort of potted history. How did you get into the position to discuss the things we're going to discuss today? Awesome. It's a very long-winded answer, so I'll keep it very short. Um, I loved fitness from a very young age, and I loved food from a very – I think I just – I'm a – enjoyable I, I enjoy life to the max um and i like i love living in the present um at 18 years of age i had a rock climbing accident was hit by a boulder spent five months in bed almost died uh, was bedridden and that's when i really started to gravitate towards fitness and health uh, as i started my recovery process i realized that the physiotherapists were not doing their job because I was an egotistical 18 year old. I'm sure that they were doing their job, but I thought I could do a better <laughs> job of it. Um, and I started to take a deep dive into what this whole fitness, health and performance industry is all about. Opened a CrossFit gym, had a successful CrossFit gym and corporate wellness program. And I wanted to create a bigger impact in the world. So we started to do seminars with Julian Pinot. He was my coach and mentor and joined the StrongFit crew. And we did seminars for about six years, teaching fundamentals and principles and philosophy of movement and recovery and creating absence of injury in uh, high level athletes to just regular people as well. Uh, There's no regular people, but to the humankind, shall we say. And then recently I have decided to kind of branch out on my own. And I started the Barracuda Way, which is a mentoring program and a way to simplify movement for beginner athletes and beginner coaches all the movement enthusiasts all the way to advanced coaches so i have an entire breakdown of all the movements and understanding the fundamentals of you know how movement works and the philosophy behind it i have a mentoring program i also dove deeply into wanting to make sure that we can merge this whole fitness side of training and gyms and and merge it with true health, mental health, and emotional health. And so that's my current pursuit is how do we allow people to have a regulated system, a nervous system, and to be able to have a balance between the physical, the mental, and the emotional side. And so now we're here. 
<laughs> we we um we touched on so much uh before we started recording and it, it's given me a lot of food for thought and a lot of things i want to sort of get stuck into now but just off the back of what you you said there we talk a lot in in fitness circles and at large about the um the kind of intersection between physical health and fitness uh, and mental and emotional and we, we will separate these in a minute but mental and emotional sort of health and well-being where do you see that intersection and what do you or where do you think we get it wrong at large or the fitness industry gets you know the the combination or the the kind of where these two meet wrong i i, I don't even think it's the industry itself i think it's a culture thing Mm. Um, we have segregated our emotional health, um, in order to physically survive in a very high evolving society. And so I think that the, the emotional side took a backseat, um, especially within Western society. And, you know, we were just forced to kind of be there physically and mentally and never emotionally. Right. And I think now it's starting to come into fruition just because we're seeing, you know, the massive amount of anxiety, uh, depression that's coming up on people. And, you know, the more that we're, we're able to understand what is truly happening when people get highly anxious or have, you know, spurts of, of depression and such. And I think that we've wanted to segregate it, which I think has made it even worse that when you go into a gym, it's too, you know, the Arnie days or Dorian Yates, as you will, uh, you know, the CrossFit days, it's always about either a punishment towards yourself for what you've done in the past, whether it's, you know, being overweight or not eating healthy, like, a, or addiction, a lot of people will go into the next extreme, which would be fitness. Um, and you see a I don't want to say like a masculine machista almost type of energy that was in mm -hmm. the gym for a long time. Um, but from a very early, you know, my first year of having my gym, the first thing I realized is if you're not being emotional in your workouts, you know, I'm not talking like emotional, like you need to break down crying every time, but there is a certain emotion and intent that goes behind a workout that can make it very successful. And I think that a lot of that was being pushed back. And I, I noticed it from a very, from my very early coaching days where, you know, I would have moms that would come in and do workouts and afterwards they break down crying. You're like, what is happening? Right. Or you would have like the military guys come in and halfway through a workout, they'd have this full amount of rage kind of go come out and you're like, dude, it's, it's a barbell. Why are you freaking out? Right. And obviously knowing now, like there were triggers that the body was picking up on and creating certain reactions to those triggers. And so it's something that has always been together, but we seem to always want to shove our emotions deep down inside to show that we are strong enough or capable enough to complete a task. And so I think that that, I think the task has always been a byproduct. I think that the real product that we want in this fitness world and being in a gym is to be able to have a safe place to express um, and to be able to understand that we do have emotions, that we can have this balanced life, that we, that, that we can be vulnerable enough, right? And so as any great coach out there that's listening, you've always had clients that come and cry on your shoulder. You've always had, you know, this very soft space. And I think that that's where, I don't think it's gotten wrong. I think that it's just been... 
there's a barrier of entry and there's an uneasiness behind it because the lack of either education on the on the coach's side or a lack of safety presented from the consumer side from the athlete going in or the member going in for their pt of wanting to express this so i think that there's a little bit of of just ignorance shall we say but i think that the intuitive side always comes out yeah i think that uh a lot of people, as you kind of touched on it there, this textbook, um, like prototypical energy, the way, you know, the way you express yourself in the gym. And the, there's definitely this masculine air to it, right? And I, I think the cultural kind of cliche is it's like, I'm here to, I'm here to work something out. I'm here to you know, um, just express my, and you hear people say it, right. It's a release, but they, they kind of, to my mind, are, are being way too specific on what they're releasing in terms of, it's just anger. It's, you know, you'll hear people say, I'm going to go and, uh, um, you know, hit a punch bag for a while. And it's all very specific right. as if this exhaust, this exhaust pipe that is strength training will only allow one, sort of emotion through it and I, I did I, you know I did a bit of a self-experiment where I tried to I traditionally I'd never had never listened to music training and okay. I wanted to try the um the whole Henry Rollins thing of uh, let's listen to ballads while we train and let's see how that affects my training but also how it, it affects right. me emotionally right and let's try yeah. listening to um something way more relaxed or let's try listening to some audio books and these things that you would think would almost be counterintuitive, right? Because you have to, I want to go in, I'm going to listen to like some like either hardcore rage rock music or like rap. And this is the only way it could be expressed. And, and what I thought I found was the, like you say, the byproduct, the training actually remains unchanged as such. Right. But the feeling changed. Yeah. The, yeah. And so like, that was again, like in my early days, I, I'm a very intuitive person and I don't listen <laughs> to many people. Uh, I'm stubborn. Um, but it was, it was that it was like, for me, I could see the difference. Right. And, there, and, and, you know, my why was definitely a fuck you. Why? Which I think why most people start to go to the gym is like a fuck you. I'm going to be yeah. better than everybody else. And it's, I'm going to be the strongest or the fittest, so on and so forth. Um, but it was the doctor told me that I should be sitting in the chair for the rest of my life and be happy that I'm able to walk a little bit, but you know, don't ever lift heavy weights and don't do this and don't do that. Um, you know, and so I was, that was my main driver as a, as a fitness enthusiast at the beginning before I got into coaching. Um, but I think that, you know, there's, there's again, that emotional side of things like music can upregulate or downregulate you as well. Right. And the way that you approach an exercise can also upregulate or downregulate. Like, you know, if you're going to be doing bench press or you're going to be doing like, you know, the biceps and things like that, like more of the show muscles or physique work, you want to approach it in like, not necessarily a punishment. Like you want to have a good time. It's like a bro session, yeah. right? It's like a self love session and there's a flow to it. It doesn't need to be aggressive and powerful, but if you're going to be doing back squats or if you're going to be doing deadlifts or cleans or, you know, some, uh, you know, some strongman stuff you want, you need to have that war mentality. Like it is a war, like you're, fi you're fighting and you're trying to dominate the barbell. Right. And again, when you approach it that way, you see how much more emphasis you put on it. So I would always, you know, when I had my classes and, you know, I was a 19 year old kind of gung ho kid and we would be doing back squats and I would, 
like get pissed off and I would like people are like dude just mellow down I was like no you don't understand like it's not about the barbell like the barbell are all the shit that you're having to deal with in that outside world it's that boss you want to punch in the face it's you know it's and they're wanting to push you down are you gonna let that fucking are you gonna let your boss push you down no fucking blow this shit up dominate the bar and you would see this mental switch and you would have like you know like why like housewives and you would have you know just businessmen and you know salesmen and people that are not athletic but they you could just see like the change in the face you could see the change in the posture and now it wasn't just about doing the exercise to grow legs or to grow strength it was like i'm here to overcome my outside stressors i'm here to you know express how pissed off i was at my boss at work or my you know at my wife or at my cheating husband or you know whatever it is and you would see this entire behavioral change happen and obviously back then i was you know a young coach and I think that there's so much more information and knowledge out there now for free. And it's so much that you can grasp on, but you could see how that affected their aesthetic changes, their physiological changes. And I was like, that's super interesting to me. And that's something that I, I, I always dove into. Right. And so, yeah, like if you're going to be doing a workout that requires you like doing a 10 K on the rower or run or things like that, the music should be softer. It, it can change a whole lot of how you're, what your perception is, right? And so that's a little bit of that switch between that observation of the body and the analytical brain. And so that's kind of the, where I, I really think that will start to become the change in the fitness world as people start are starting to understand that you can't just expect to do, check the, bo the boxes of a five by five and, and get the results, right? You will to a certain point, but there will be a plateau where you will be cut short, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's probably that next, it's the hard part to explain to people or, or kind of com not in the comforts actually the exact opposite word that I want to use, but kind of explain to people why they're not necessarily getting the results they want because they are ticking all those boxes and it's very hard to do right. it with a, either a limited language set on either of your behalf or without just, mm -hmm. just outright, you know, you're not training hard enough. Where's, you know, where's the intensity? Right. And I think a lot of people struggle to find that because where they are at in their head to them, that is all the intensity they have there. They, they right. lock that next bit, right? What, where do people go for that? Yeah. And, and, and I think that comes a lot with you're wanting to upregulate people that need mm. to be upregulated constantly. Like, I mean, I have one son and another one on the way and it's a lot of work. Like I, for me to expect a mother who works full time, who has two kids to be like, well, damn, like, why didn't you meal prep? And why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? And you're like, listen, like, listen here, young buck. You know what I mean? Like I have two kids, like there's a lot going on in life. Right. So maybe they don't need to be more upregulated yeah. in the gym or maybe they do. But, you know, it, it's, it's being able to read that as a coach or as a person going into the gym, like, hey, do I actually need to be doing squats today? Or maybe today is more about just kind of being on the rower, listening to myself, breathing, you know, like having a different intent for the day. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, you can't expect, you know, there's a hypothetical client, but you can't expect Bob who has a super stressful job to come in and give you 100% when he's working 14 hour days is trying to maintain a family probably has a side chick, 
you know, like is all over the place and he has one hour with you and you want to try and get him to become a CrossFit Games athlete or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's not what he wants. You're, you also need to understand what the intent of that athlete or that person walking into your gym is, is trying to get. Or if you're doing it by yourself, what do you want? Not what society expects for you because you think it's healthy to go to the gym. It's healthy to go to the gym if you want to be in the gym. Otherwise, it can become toxic or, or a waste of time. Because you're at the gym and you're on the treadmill or you're doing your squats, but you're thinking about the meeting and trying to get dinner plans with your wife and wanting to be playing with your son rather than being at the gym. And you know what I mean? Like then you're never really at the gym. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fallacy. It, it doesn't make sense. Right. So it's like, why do you want to be at the gym? Is the gym the place for you? Maybe it's running outdoors. that's better. Maybe it's playing a different sport. It's something that allows you the gym or the fitness side of things as far as connection to health needs to be something that you truly enjoy doing. And yeah, it's overwhelming. So I get it. Like there are people that will just quit on the gym or quit on trying to be fitter because it becomes overwhelming. You're like, dude, nah, fuck it. Like there's a point where it's like, all right, fuck off. We got to toughen up a little bit because we do need to build this as a behavioral cycle too. But, but you need to find something that you enjoy doing. So I don't want you to, you know, think of having to be at the gym, but maybe it's salsa dancing. Maybe, you know, there's some, anything that can promote positive stress to the body. I'm all for it. So that's, that, that to me is like the biggest misconception is that again, we start to see, and this is one of the biggest things that I'm working and, you know, I'm always trying to, I challenge myself as to why do people see the value of that gym? It's like, what, what is the perception of fitness from a very large circle and what's my perception of fitness and you know like the more you get into it from whatever avenue whether it's you know boot camps or whether it's calisthenics or gymnastics or crossfit or strength training like the more you you get in this fitness world or bodybuilding physique building right like you start to close yourself in and you think everybody needs back squats yeah and everybody needs to deadlift and I'm like, okay, fair enough. But does it need to be with a barbell? Let's start with that. Why is barbell deadlifts and back squats like the ultimate exercise? Because when do you see a barbell back squat in nature if we're trying to be healthy? Right? So maybe we don't need a barbell. Maybe you can just go to the park with, and find a rock and squat with a rock or pick up the rock and carry it. Or You know what I mean? Like it, our, the perception of fitness needs to change because – We've created a model that was based on a very small amount of humans, right? Which was bodybuilders with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Then it was weightlifting, right? Wrestling has gone down the shitter, but now it's starting to come back with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But, you know, like if we actually think of the function of the human, it was to carry things because when you were, had to go hunt and kill a deer, you had to carry it back home. It was to wrestle and fight. Right. So it was like you start to look at that as a, as a whole. And I'm like, OK, so do we really need to put such an emphasis as the back squat is the best way to get super strong, strong for a very specific skill? Right. And so same with like a deadlift, like I've, I've met dudes that have a 700 pound barbell deadlift, but they can't pick up a 200 pound stone. Yeah. Like that. There's something wrong there. You've become very specific in your skill, but you're not technically strong. You're strong at that skill but there's a massive gap of health and performance there as well. And so those are the, the bigger conversations that I want to start sparking in these fitness professionals is we, we jump into the fitness world and the health community wanting to make a change, right? Like you want to make a change and make a big impact, 
but yet we, we keep getting more and more specialized and we keep talking to more and more specialized people and we keep kind of exiling this large population of that 99%. So I'm like, well, no, we need to bring them in. And then we get upset when you have somebody like Barry's Bootcamp or F45 or yeah. Orange Theory that can actually create this low barrier of, in, of entrance for people that's not, that's inclusive and you get mad because they're doing things incorrectly. I'm like, no, they're doing things for the 99% because you're not willing to, because yeah. you think that everybody should be doing snatches right now. Like doing snatches and snatch balances is great for somebody who wants to do weightlifting, but it's not a great barrier. Like if, if my grandma sees that shit, she's gonna be like, yeah, no, you're gonna break yourself and that's just stupid. So of course she's gonna prefer go to Barry Bootcamp or F45. So that's the thing where we need to start changing this conversation of why is the bat rather than complaining about is the back squat, the best exercise. It's like, no, how do we get more people to move, to hinge and to squat, (laughs) to be able to pick up something off the ground. Let's just start with that, you know? And, and those, those are the conversations that we need to start having. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're singing from the same hymn sheet here a hundred percent and the whole, the, 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 this exact thing you see occurring of this pushback against um, any sort of like populous exercise, uh, you know, and I, I was guilty of it myself when I was 18, 19, 20, like you say, no, we're all just absolutely <laughs> like, oh, Jesus Christ, I could tell you some stories. Um, but, you know, I, I, you can say what you like about Zumba, but let's look at what, what it's getting right. Let's look at why it's getting people yeah. through the door. Let's look at what it is that's engaging. And it's, it looks enjoyable and it's got a low barrier to entry, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, I was having a conversation with a gym owner and they're like, Oh, you know, they just opened up. I don't think it wasn't Zumba, but it was like one of those very low barrier of entry points. Right. And they were like all upset about it. And I was like, well, yeah, but the people that are going there, would they come to your gym? Like, let's just start there. Like, can you add value to them or is it already like, overwhelming for them to come into your gym yeah like let's just look at your website let's look at the entry point of like let's walk into your gym let's walk into your business like does it look friendly <laughs> you know because walking into that place there's flowers it's nicely scented there's like a smiling person that's not like you know under 10 percent body fat but they're good looking you know they're smiling they're friendly like it's it's very welcoming Right. And maybe that's the entry point that they need. And then eventually, you know, of course, there's going to be plateaus at various boot camp or, you know, at any of those places, Peloton. And, you know, there'll be the plateau because you can only progress so much. But that's what that's kind of their business model anyways. Um, And that's where you get to come in, because at some point they're going to jump from ship to ship to ship until they find you. So then you just need to be ready. Right. Or we need to change your entire, you know, outlook of okay so what is my gym and how do i lower my entry my barrier of entry into my fitness community and that's that that's why you people get pissed off when you know they're trying to sell like that six-week challenge of losing weight or this or that but i'm like they're trying to generate a level of 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 entry that is allowable for it's it's um not overwhelming for somebody on the outside right and so that's that's the biggest thing is the people that seem to have the most knowledge do not know how to convey that knowledge towards that 99%. And that's what I think needs to change in the entire fitness world. And I think that, you know, it's, it's getting better for sure. You know, especially bringing that conversation of 
the mix of health and fitness, right? It's no longer just to be sport specific, but overall health. What does it truly mean? Yeah. Uh, for me, it really feels like a case of um, a lot of people losing sight of why they began this. And I think uh, to your point about the more you know, you know, the more you know, the more difficult you find it because I think a yeah. lot of people, a lot of well-meaning people get into fitness because they do want to help people. And then they learn so much and For they, know, sure. they know the best possible way to help people. But you've got to actually get talking to them before you can, you know, before you can <laughs> deliver that. And they, they've put the car right. before the horse. And I was exactly the same. I was exactly the same. Yeah. I no doubt in my mind, I lost clients because in a, you know, in a, a consultation, I'd be talking about all this high right. level, like lofty shit we're going to be doing. And they're like, Oh dude, man, I just want to come in and work out. Or like, <laughs> it's like, I don't need right. to be uh, yeah. worrying about becoming the most functional version of myself right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you start to get upset that you're not successful. And mm -hmm. you know, and there was a uh, Gordon Ramsey, which I hope I meet him one day. Cause he's awesome. Um, but there was a conversation where he was like in the restaurant show that he does. Right. And, um, and he goes to the manager, he's like, so what's wrong with the restaurant? What, what do you need in the restaurant? She goes, more clients. And you're like, okay, yeah. but why don't you <laughs> have clients, don't you, yeah. right? Like why, how come people are not seeing your value, if you will, right? And so like, that's really the thing is like, as a, as a health professional and fitness professionals, like why are people not seeing your value? And, and you know, I, I go back to the culinary world because that's kind of my background as well like i love i love cooking and everything but it was always the people love to show all their fancy tricks mm. until they become very good at their craft and then it gets very very simple right and one of the best dishes that i've ever had was a caviar of tomato and there was a dry aged tomato seeds like the seed pods they dry aged them so that the the sugars would come out and it was the most delicious tomato and you would pay 20 bucks for a little pot of seeds of tomatoes and a little bit of olive oil, the best olive oil and salt. And you're like, that's ridiculous. But it took years to get there because before it was a tomato puree with like a foam and a powder and a this and a that, and they were trying to show all their techniques. Right. And so that's what I see a lot with coaches is that they're trying to show all their techniques to show they're good enough rather than just going, look at the person in front of you and what do they need for the next six weeks so that they can feel better about themselves. Not so that you can show results for yourself, not for you as a coach to show the results, but so they can feel better internally about themselves and start doing the real work, right? That's the thing is, do you actually care about the human in front of you or are you using them as a test subject so you can get more likes on Instagram and you want to make sure that their posture looks perfect on a deadlift? Right. So those are the questions where it's like, that's, that's the industry that we're in. We're here to help others. So that should be the question that we, when we're working with somebody is what can I do for you? Not what is going to make my, my coaching style or, you know, me look as look better as a coach. And I think that's where the, the, the tables have turned is now is like, how do I get more likes on Instagram? How do I get more followers? How do I this? How do I that? Why not? What is it that you need today? And let's work on that right? You're feeling down today. Awesome. Let's get you, you know, let's get a little bit of that vagal tone to come up a little bit. Let's just start moving and breathing, get our thoughts together. Let's find a reason that you want to get up and shower. How about that? Right? That's 99% of the people. Yeah. Like let's get up without having to drink coffee. 
Why don't we, you know what I mean? Like, let's start having those conversations. How about like, can we get you to go to sleep at night? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's forget about the back squat. Are you sleeping good at night? Like, do you enjoy getting up and getting ready and going to work? Do you enjoy going to play with your kids? Like, why don't we have those conversations? Because we see these clients three, five times a week. We have deep, meaningful conversations with these clients. So why do we keep trying to turn that conversation into just a physical one, into aesthetics, into performance, into macros, into this, into that? Like, there's already enough rules in our lives. Do we really need to be counting macros right now? Why don't we just change the relationship with food? Why don't, instead of going to McDonald's or having to purchase your already micro-divided food frozen meal, why don't we learn to learn and cook and touch and feel and smell delicious food? Because then you'll understand that you don't want to eat that much of it. You'll feel satisfied because you know the amount of work that you put behind it. You know, and so those are always the things that I'm, I'm kind of having these conversations with is like, we need to change that perception. And I think it's starting to, right? So, but it's, it's a lot of, we want to punish ourselves into this perfect body or this perfect mold that we think it is. And there's a lot more that goes behind it, right? Because then you start to create other issues, if you will, behaviorally, that for me, I don't think are healthy. Like if you just look at food as fuel, Mm-hmm. come on man like that's one of the biggest things that can bring anybody like i can get you the most polar opposite people and if we can start cooking and having a good conversation and educating ourselves about the food that we're eating you'll start to have these other conversations and you'll see that you can actually make a very good connection food brings us together culturally so why are we trying to make it only fuel why are we only why are we trying to make another anxious and another stressor in life about having to count your food or eat less or do this or do that. Why don't we just educate people on what are the delicious ways that we can prepare quality food? You know, small things like that can make such a big difference. Yeah. Sorry. I went on. I keep going. No, on no, that, dude. That, uh, <laughs> no, that's absolutely, that's absolutely great. And that, that's absolutely great. And I, I think you, you touched on something there that, um, a, a, I think that any, pretty much any dietary modality let's you know forget the conversation around macros and calories any one of those that gets people just being a little bit mindful about what they're cooking and what they're eating is good it's gonna gonna be successful in some regard like forget i don't mean that in terms of um you know weight loss or weight gain or whatever the the sort of desired outcome is but just getting people paying attention to handling and cooking their own food um, some That's of the amazing. most, yeah, there, there's some people in who are prime examples in the industry of people who other trainers want to be like, Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This is amateur stuff. And all they're doing is getting people to like, Hey, Hey, you know, let's cook some nice food. And Oh, he doesn't count the calories and the blah, 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 blah. But the, why are not, why are so many people gravitating towards him? Why are so many people, people seemingly getting what they want out of it? Because for the first time in their life, they're actually paying attention to what they're doing. They're paying attention yeah, to the food exactly. they're cooking and taking ownership of it. And there's, you know, there's the argument that counting your calories, counting your macros, whatever it is, does that in another way. But as you say, it's a very clinical way. It's very culturally lacking and it's another stressor, right? Yeah. And, and more importantly, like, again, like it gets them to become accountable for what they're doing, right? It, it gets them actively doing something. So again, the same thing that we were talking about earlier, it's, it's actively doing it. You're not enduring it and you're not passively 
hoping that following these macro plans will work, right? So you going to a nutritionist, I'm not saying, you know, there's the science behind the macros and everything, but it's, it's a, if I pay you, I'm going to get results. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. If you pay me, I can guide you and you have to put in the work to get the results, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's nutrition, movement, emotional, anything. You as a, as a health or fitness professional do have potential answers. But if that client does not go to do the work actively, nothing's going to happen. I've, had, I've met clients that have paid nutritionists a lot of money and have followed the exact, exact macronutrient counting calories in, calories out, nutrition, training, all of it, and nothing changed aesthetically. Nothing. And as soon as we just said, I, I, I literally said, I was like, I just think you're looking too much exteriorly. I was like, let's look internal. Let's learn how to cook. And we started making French onion soups and started to just learn, like not even healthy foods. Like I was like, let's just go make a cake this weekend. Why not? Fuck it. Like, but we're going to go get good source flour. We're going to have proper, proper sugar, you know, like let's just but enjoy making it. And weight went down like that because stress went down because she was active. She was present. Cortisol levels went down. Like you started to see the want to be present. So it's, it's a matter of being present and actively wanting to do what it is you want to do. You know, nutrition, I, I, I'm a horrible nutritionist and I, I live by my example because I enjoy food too much. So I, when people want to talk to me about nutrition, I was like, I'm not the guy. I can point you in the right directions. I know where my field is, but I think that there is something so crucial and paramount about wanting to have people be present. Like if there's anything you can get out of all of this is be present, not present. Like I'm sitting here, but like wanting to be here. You know what I mean? Like wanting to cook your food, wanting to go to train, wanting to go move. As soon as you can get there, then we're, we're make, we're going to see the changes and it sounds a lot easier than it is. Right. Because again, we are constantly trying to be upregulated. You know, you're trying to upregulate yourself with caffeine. You're trying to upregulate yourself or downregulate yourself with alcohol. You're constantly trying to be in this centerpiece, but you're never there because you're never actually with yourself. Yeah. And so like, that's, that's the big part is like, let's just take, just, let's just acknowledge it right? Like I'm feeling sad. Okay. What do we want to do about it? <laughs> and, 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 it, and there's no right or wrong answer. Like that's the other thing where I'm like, I'm always talking to people. I'm like, there's no right or wrong. It's like, this is your inner dialogue. Like nobody's judging that shit except for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you can try and answer what you think other people in the outside world want to answer. But for me as a coach, like that's the first thing I tell my clients. I was like, I'm not here to judge you. I'm like, you, you know what I mean? Like that, that's not my job. I'm here to kind of help guide you. And there's no right or wrong answer. And like, I've had calls with clients and I was like, Hey, do you want to work out? They're like, no, not really. I was like, all right. So do you think like that's the best approach? Is there something else that you might want to do? Right. So why don't we think of maybe a new sport? Why don't we think about just learning a new hobby? Cause that could be beneficial, right? Like the way that you see the changes is now they're wanting to actively do something. So I had a client that got massive changes just by wanting to learn how to play the drums. There's still movement. Right. And again, I'm not talking about the 99, like the 1% of people that are already in the gym. And, but you're talking about somebody that ha- has never stepped foot in the gym, is slightly overweight, has social anxiety issues, and ha- has a fear of going outside. Right. And is, you know, upwards of 160 kilos. 
Like, yeah, should they be doing stair steppers or going out and walking or going in a pool? Sure. But is that a bar barrier of entry they're willing to go through right now? No. But moving the arms around and playing the drums was fun for him. He would do it for 30 minutes. We started to see the weight loss. And then he's like, hey, this is pretty cool. Now I want to try this. Now I want to try this. The best nutrition advice that I gave him is learn to cook. And, uh, you know, learning to cook was able to change the way because before it was ordering the macro frozen meals and things like that, but he wouldn't enjoy them. And then he would binge eat because he wasn't yeah. enjoying them anyway. So he'd still need to get a fix. So it's, it's these conversations of like, can we just understand that you like the, the connection to yourself is so much more important, right? The connection to understanding your signals, shall we say, right? Listen to that subconscious thought for a little bit and just go with it. And, and, and as, again, like as a fitness professional, it's like, you need to understand that you're in the service industry and yeah, you'd know a lot, but if the other person on the other side of that table is not receptive to it, or, you know, is going through a GI Joe fallacy, then who gives a shit? Have you heard of the GI Joe fallacy? That's my new favorite one. Go on. Did you ever watch, did you ever watch GI Joe? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know who GI Joe is. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So they used to have like the commercials and they go, you know, crossing the street, look both ways. Now, you know, right now, you know, it doesn't do anything. If you still don't look both ways, you'll still get hit by the car. Be like, Oh, I knew I should have looked both ways, but you still got hit by a car. So the GI Joe fallacy is like, now, you know, type thing is still not even 50% of the battle. Like that's like 5% uh, yeah. of the battle. Like yeah. we all know we shouldn't be eating candy, but we still go eat candy. Like I know I shouldn't be having Ben and Jerry's, but yet I have four pints in my, my freezer. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. And <laughs> I think like, any fitness professional can attest to that, right? <laughs> like any fitness, yeah. right? we know uh, you would think based on a lot of the stuff we know that we would be paragons of physical health, right? But yeah, but it, but it's information. It's not yeah, knowledge. It, right. And yeah. so that's, that's, that's my niche is like, I don't want to tell you what the best way to do a back squat or to lift or to get in shape is. I want you to experience it. And so that's the difference, right? Because you can know the best mechanics, but if it's not working because you've never tried it, then it's never going to work. Like you, like you, you, I can always speak to fitness or health professionals and I can tell you who's done the work or who is at least has gone through it and who has not because the way that they try to teach it and the way that they try to pass that information on is all theoretical without them ever going through the experience. Right. Yeah. So I, I owned a CrossFit gym and, and you could tell the workouts like I taught them because I suffered through them. You know what I mean? Like suffered and enjoyed them because they were fun, but you know what I mean? Like, I went through them. So I know exactly what Bob is going through on rep 15 of Fran. I know exactly what you're going through in the middle of, of a crazy long workout. I know what that feels like to be underneath a heavy barbell because I've been there. Right. And heavy is, you know, again, per perception of each, but it's, we keep trying to sell people and give them information without, without ever allowing them to gain the knowledge by experience. And, 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 and you know, the difference because I can tell you how to make, Sunday roast because you're in England. I love, I love a good Sunday roast. There's nothing better than a good. See, you're thinking about it right now. I, right? I had one. It's There's not usually my tipple, but I did have one yesterday. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's. But there's like, if you were to think of like that most delicious Sunday roast, like there's something very specific, right? That your mouth starts to water. Or if there's something that you can connect to food wise, or, you know, let's talk about a heavy back squat. Like there's that one back squat where you're like, dude, that was like on point. So mentally I was there, emotionally I was there, 
I felt fucking strong. That barbell moved. It felt heavy on my back, but I knew that I was going to get it. There's an experience behind it you can't explain by, by telling somebody the mechanics of a back squat. So I always go back to food. I can give you the recipe, but it won't be the same as you having the experience in like a little dingy, I don't know, kind of tavern and having like yeah. a delicious Sunday roast. It's like homemade with that fucking heavy brown gravy. So you're thinking about it again. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? So that, that's the difference between having that information to be able to regurgitate versus having that experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big difference. I think so many trainers as well fall into the fall into the trap of the kind of body is a machine fallacy, right? And then they, you mm -hmm. can understand the mechanism of it. And to your point that you know the difference in knowledge and wisdom is knowing that the back squat is a great exercise is knowledge, and wisdom is knowing that not if you can't get the person to engage with it, right? If the person is yeah, exactly, you have to find the version of this that gets you in and gets you um gets you fired up right that's the version that's going to keep you coming back it, uh, yeah and sometimes that sure. is, and i think a thing i talk about a lot now with the rise and rise and rise of functional fitness is like hey if you're starting to hate this and you want to do bicep curls go and do bicep curls like you're not going to the crossfit games you're not going to the olympics so stop doing a version right. of this thing that you hate Stop doing a version of this thing right. that you're starting to detest that's not, you know, there's not really going to be any fruits to your labor. Do something yeah. you enjoy. And it may and, well bring you back, but. Yeah, and that's where you start to see, like, the, you, you're, for me as a coach, like, I started to see that. Like, where you're starting to negatively affect people. Like you're starting to create anxiety in people that there's snatches because my shoulder hurts or I don't feel like going to that intensity today. Like, yeah. and you see the, you start to see people start to fall out of love for fitness yeah. or for health, which was something that drove them into it to begin with was the intensity and everything. But so again, it's that, that need to burn out for as a human is the need to have the validation, which, you know, is, is, is another, you know, subject that we can go into, but it's like, you know, you, you go into functional fitness and there's a community there and you want to be validated. And so you want to jump in and you, you know, now you're going into the, the social constructs of what the gym really is. It's a community. And so imagine that you want to do bicep curls. Yeah, I get that. I, it's easy for you to say that, but dude, at my gym, we don't yeah. do bicep curls. Yeah. They see me pick up dumbbells and do bicep curls. I'm going to get X out. And I yeah. like these people and I want to be part of this. And you know what I mean? And so yeah. it starts to create. So we as coaches, or at least owners of these boutique gyms are setting a culture that is again excluding a whole lot of health and fitness because they want to maintain a certain look. And I've I've talked to a lot of these owners and they're like, we want to change it, but now it's become like its own like, kind of like evil monster type yeah. thing. Yeah. How Pandora's do we actually start to change open, this right? culture? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's 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 these conversations that that I think will will start to become the next few years of fitness is like having to re-educate what that you know the 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 beauty of you know what Ray Glassman said with functional fitness and that definition of fitness was and, and it's uh, I think it's just a matter of again understanding that the the lowering of end of the barrier of entry for the new clients to come in is a must otherwise it's just it's not sustainable right um, but yeah it's it's we need to understand that we're trying to create a positive impact to our clients 
and we need to have self-checks as, as to if we're doing that or not. And that was one of the things in my CrossFit gym where I started to go, I'm no longer affecting these people positively because I had a person that would be willing to break their shoulder to get a five pound PR in a snatch. Mm. And it's not even a heavy snatch, right? Relatively speaking, like it's not going to get them to the Olympics or yeah. to nationals or to States. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no um, trophies for and this. He has no kids. Trophies, yeah. yeah. And I started to see the anxiety of people showing up half an hour early because they needed to warm up to do a workout before the warm up for the workout. Mm. And you're like, why, why is this happening? And now I understand it. They're not fit. They're not healthy. Right? Like, we, we, we say we're fit as functional fitnesses or as strength training, you know, athletes and such. But if you need to warm up for 45 minutes to do the task that you came to the gym to do, I'm sorry, you're not fit. And I can prove it. I, I've walked up it. I, I, last week, two weeks ago, I was in London and they were you doing shit. And I literally grabbed the dumbbells and just started doing incline dumbbell bench press with 40 kilos. I'm like, yeah. And there was no stress physically, emotionally, or physiologically. Like if you're having to warm up for 45 minutes to try and get your shoulder to, to that snatch position, you're not fit enough to do snatches. Sorry. I can walk up right now to a, maybe right now not to a hundred because my strength levels aren't there, but I can easily walk up to 70 or 80 kilos and do a, a power snatch and then overhead squat it or a squat snatch. I just haven't practiced this skill in a while. You know what I mean? But that's because I'm fit enough to do it, meaning I'm neurologically balanced. There's no injuries, so I'm absent of injury. And I have the capacity to complete the skill set at any given time, right? So that means that I'm fit enough to complete the task. And so you start, I started to see this happening in my gym where it was people are taking longer to warm up and they're staying afterwards longer to try and cool down or they were rushing off to go to another class. So now you're not reaching intensity and you think that you need more volume to stay healthier. So I'm creating these very negative behavioral cycles yeah. when I'm creating addicts of the gym, which is healthier than methamphetamine for sure. But you know, at some point, not so much because the joints are not going to do so yeah. well. And then you're going to be, you know what I mean? Like I've met a lot of people that are no longer doing fitness, but they're still teaching fitness because they're broken. You know, they're just absolutely burnt out on doing any sort of training thinking about doing a crazy workout stresses them out. So they're not yeah. really healthy. You know what I mean? Like that's not health either, my man. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, this is a so, trend to be observed, right? You, this, this trend of yeah. uh, burnout or people in a, in a state of anxiety, like checking the app, checking the app in the morning of mm -hmm. the workout to figure out the whoop. And, and yeah, like, gee, this thing's supposed to be, uh, you know, rewarding. This thing is supposed to be building. This thing is supposed to be adding, mm -hmm quality to your life you should not be sad yeah. in a meeting at lunchtime thinking fuck like the, i'm gonna have to scale the thrusters like it shouldn't be on your mind right, right? <laughs> it should not be that much headspace it should not be no. that much headspace now there should be a time for that headspace right so like again like it's cool like we're gonna be training and then there's a competition and that has your headspace that's your yeah. war time right but again Looking at the 99% of people, the war time is in the boardroom meetings. The war, the war time yeah. is in the Zoom call trying to negotiate for something. Like That's the war time. And the, again, we take that and we put it into our environment and we want to bring people into that environment. So we go, no, 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 that's not really war. The war is in here every time. But it's like, okay, so every day is a fucking war. Yeah, that's a lot. That's <laughs> every a lot. day I need right. it's, yeah. it's crazy. So, so those are the things where it's like, that, that that's what I think is 
for me, the biggest impact I want to make within that fitness industry is like, how do we actually start to positively impact people in the long term, not the short term? Because in the short term, we do a very good job, right? So you get people that are kind of scared. They're kind of bored. They know they're not really healthy. They want to get fitter. They want to lose weight because they just broke up. They want to, you know, gain some confidence in themselves, um, whatever it may be. They want to get aesthetically or stronger, whatever it is. And they come in. And there's a lot of positive stress being added yeah. to it and it looks wonderful and you're getting results and you're getting changes. But then I start to see the long-term value of that of two years, three years, four years, five years. And you start to see people, that are be their behavior has changed. Their personality has changed. And you're like, okay, so what's happening here? And now they're obsessed about having to be at the gym for three hours yeah. a day. And now they're, and you're like, this isn't healthy either. Like it's sunny outside. Like, why do you yeah. want to be in a dungy gym? Like, why don't you want to be outside enjoying an April spritz right now? You know what I mean? Like, that's also kind of like, that's yeah. not healthy either. Like, you don't want to socialize anymore with people. You'd rather, you know, like, there's there's certain things that, that start to change. And that's, you know, the thing that I've been looking at is like, how does the neural capacity and the neural connection to more efferent structural muscles start to change the behavior in a person? And that's, that's again, another rabbit hole that... We can jump into, I don't know when, but, um, but that's a, that's the coolest thing that I started to notice. I was like, okay, so you've been at this thing for two years. I see the, you know, you're no longer able to do any sort of rotational exercise. You're not able to do this or this or this, or this starts to become overdeveloped. So, and I start to see the behavior starts to change. Right. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, we have to understand a long-term value, not the short-term reward. I'll bring myself back from that rant. Sorry, and close it up. Um, but it's it's we as coaches and fitness professionals look at short-term rewards only. We never see a client for ten years, even though if we're good coaches, you're going to have those clients for ten years. But are are you continuously creating a positive impact for them in that long-term value, or are you not? Right, having them being at the gym, I think on a Sunday when they could be with their family. And they have to come into the gym and it's sunny outside and they want to spend three hours at the gym. For me, that would be a negative impact unless there's something massive that they're training for. Right. Then yeah, let's yeah, have commitment yeah, yeah. and discipline. But uh, again, I'm talking about a, the 99% of people that have families that have full-time jobs. It'd be great for have them and the family come over to your boutique gym and do a barbecue and hang out and have a community, things like that. But for them to be in the gym, just like grinding along because they feel like they need to do that 10K, you know, marathon for the day or whatever. Like we need to understand, can we enjoy life? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's the enjoyment in all of this? I and don't use it as an escape mechanism. Yes. And, uh, to, you know, to a certain extent, I can see how for a lot of people um, that training is what allows them a part of their life where they can have a positive stressor that does enable them to build their character and it does give them that that overcoming of, of adversity that perhaps they don't have anywhere else in life or perhaps then translates into the rest of their life but i think we touched right. on this before we were recording but this we you know if someone's in you know uh, to speak loosely like someone's in shit state they they come and they they've got injuries or they've got weight to lose or whatever it is getting quote unquote fit, getting in shape, getting stronger, whatever it may be, losing that weight, it, it, that's the symptoms, right? But once, once that's been addressed, the whole idea of doing that was to put them in a situation where they didn't need to be in the gym every day, right? 
to put them in right. a situation exactly. where their health is now, you know, they're at homeostasis. They can now enjoy yeah. their life. So to them replace that, right. with a, we have an expression here, which is like robbing, robbing Peter to pay Paul where you, you're just in yeah. this cycle, right? You've just, Oh, congratulations. Yeah. And this is, you know, I can talk from personal experience and I'm sure loads of people listening will touch on this as well. If you start working out to look better, Oh, you're fucked. Because now you're in a situation where you're never going to look as good as you want to look. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right. almost yeah, better exactly. off not starting. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, like to your point, it can't, you can't just replace one problem with a whole boatload of others. There has to be right. an application of this thing, right? We, we, we're creating a better vessel in order to better our lives. And if we're then neurotic Absolutely. about the process by which we're creating that vessel. It's, it's an odd sort of quandary. So I get it. I do, you know, it makes sense mechanically. You can see why this happens uh, due yeah. to the way we exercise, due to everything's, you know, goal oriented. And there's always this next kind of level to go up to. So you can see why it happens, but you just have to be on guard against right. it, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think that comes with setting the right guidelines to your training, right? So, one of the first things, if you're going to go train, like what are the guidelines that you want, right? So being good looking is an objective, right? Like that's like the end goal, but what does that really, being good looking means what to you? Because being good looking to somebody could be like being super jacked and getting a shit ton of muscle to other people, like be super lean. Like let's start defining these things and start setting the guidelines to it, right? And they can kind of start to shift a little bit, but at least they, they start to set you in the right path. The problem is that you go, okay, I want to be, you know, the goal here is to be stronger. And I go, okay, cool. So what does being stronger to you mean? And they're like, well, being strong to me means being a positive role model for my son. It means, you know, mm. not having a six pack, but, you know, looking kind of in shape and being attractive looking. Um, it means being able to lift some heavy weights. And I'm like, okay, cool. We can do that. Like what, what does heavy mean to you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because my heavy is not your heavy and you know, we can kind of start going there and, and, and then as they start to progress, they're getting stronger, but now that that objective is not getting stronger. Now that objective is I want to have a heavier deadlift and that heavier, that deadlift starts to get heavier and I get excited because I'm like, yeah, barbells, powerlifting, let's go do this shit. And we start doing barbell deadlifts and now it's not getting stronger that the the deadlift was a measurement of strength but now that's become the objective i only want to get a stronger deadlift because i'm not going to do crossfit because uh, you know it's going to define that it's going to take away from my strength right i don't, don't want to do bodybuilding i want to stick to just powerlifting for whatever reason but now i start to notice that we're three years in you're no longer stronger because you're having to go get chiropractic work. You're having to go to the physio. You're having to go do cryotherapy. You're having to go see the voodoo doctor. You're getting the oils. You're starting to take supplements. You're three years in. You wear four pairs of jeans to do deadlifts. Your back is blowing up every six weeks. You do have a heavy deadlift of 500 pounds, but now you can't play with your kids. Yep. So are you really stronger? No. You, you chose to choose a measurement of strength. And that became the pure objective. And that's what you see with, with CrossFit, with weightlifting, yeah. with bodybuilding, with physique. It's always the same thing. Like you said, like I'm going there to look good, but then you're never, ever, ever happy with what good is because you're yeah. always trying to pursue the next thing. Yeah. So 
so that objective should be an end vision. Like, what do you want out of this fitness thing? For me, like, I've become very clear. Like, you know, I always, I always, uh, it was George St. Pierre that put this out there with, with, with fighters. And he said, you have your stunt man, you have your philosopher, and you have your scientist, right? Which I think is, is very beautiful, right? Like you think about it, um, you have your stuntmen, those that can perform the stunts. You have those people who just talk about the philosophy of fitness and you have the scientist that wants all the data. Everything is data driven, but nothing, who cares if it's applicable or not. I have yeah. the data, like this is the data that works, right? Which that you can manipulate the data because the body likes to do, the mind likes to do wonderful things to win things. Um, <laughs> different conversation. Very different but, conversation. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but for me, I'm like, okay, so for me, I want to be able, you know, my end vision is to be healthy so I can play with my kids. I want to be able to do stupid shit because I like doing stupid shit. So, you know, if you say, hey, let's go bungee jumping. Yeah, sure. If you tell me, hey, next week where I'm going to do, I don't like doing Spartan races and shit. But if you say, hey, next week I'm doing this whole zombie Spartan race thing. Do you want to join? I should be like, yeah, sure. Like I should be able, I should be fit enough yeah. to complete at will stupid shit. Right. Um, and I want to be able to experience life at its, at its great. It's like I want to have balance. I don't want to be able to go travel somewhere. And, you know, I don't want to be in London on a Sunday and you go, bro, I have the best Sunday roast place. I, I'm, if you haven't tell, I've been craving Sunday roast. Yeah, it's, it's only mine, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I don't want to be there. Yeah. And I, but I don't want to be there and be like, oh, dude, my macros don't allow yeah. me to have Sunday roast. And the way, you know, the way the carbs and the proteins mix mm -hmm. is not good for, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay. If I go like, yeah, I can't have gluten, so I can't have the push the popovers. Like, okay, that's one thing. But like for me to not be able to enjoy that Sunday roast because I need to watch my macros and I need to do this and I need to, yeah. oh, dude, come on. This is the part you know what I mean? so many people miss, right? On a, any, any level. And I think a lot of people would agree, like I, I used to really define um, fitness and physicality or what it means to me. I used to define it as not having my physicality limit my experiences on earth. And people would be like, yeah, yeah, you can get on board with that. It makes sense. But then you like you say what do you mean by experiences though like yeah sure maybe yeah. I, I do full-time crossfit and uh, all my meals are especially prepped for me like uh, to the gram blah 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 and there's no physical task i couldn't go and you know i can go and run with the balls i can go scuba diving i can climb a cliff i can do this do that but if you can't sit down and have the roast now that's an experience right that's an experience right. you've yeah. yourself from so you have but, to factor these things yeah. in it's crazy. Like I've met people and we're on vacation and we're in the most beautiful beach in the world. And they're like, Oh, we should do like a burpee sprint. I'm like, what? That is we should mean, be opening be up a Corona. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh bro. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a new way to enjoy the beach. But you know what I mean? It's like, just have a Corona, like lay on the beach, enjoy, go mm. swimming, like go do cool shit. Yeah. But like the fitness aspect of it should not be like let's go do a burpee sprint mm -hmm. workout it should be like let's go grab goggles and go see go swim with like some dolphins or like you know what i mean like see what we find in the water or go surf or you know what i mean like be active about it but at the same time it's like why does it need to be burpees and sprints in a beautiful beach where you could go see corals and you can mm -hmm. scuba dive and you could do you know what i mean snorkel and and do all of that so like that that's that for me is always that question is like that for that's the balance of the fitness side with the with the mental and emotional side but when you start to see that translation coming over if it starts to become so mentally damaging that you think that everything needs to revolve around counting the macros and this or that yeah. like I, i've had people that come visit and i'm like 
dude, you're in Amsterdam. Like you need to try like the, the pickled herrings. Like you need to try the frikandel and the, and they're like food is fuel, man. And they have like their white rice and chicken and broccoli. And I'm like, are you training for something? No, 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 no. But you know, like that's, that's a compulsive disorder. Like yeah. you're creating anxiety. You're creating a ritualistic OCD behavior out of somebody that maybe never had that. Yeah. Like you're on a deeper level, like what you're doing there is you're taking away the ability to adhere to stress and new environments yeah. by doing so, because you're wanting to continuously control every aspect of your life, which the universe and this world and the people around it do not owe you shit. And so the fact that you cannot go out and try some delicious new food because of this is because you're trying to gain control. It's a control yeah. issue. It's not anything else. And so you're, you're choosing to punish yourself and you're, uh, you're not allowing to see the full pleasures of what your body can, can go through in that sense. And so it may start with food, but as it continues to develop that negative behavioral trait or behavioral cycle, it'll get worse and worse and worse and worse. And again, the food might not be the real issue. The issue might come way back when something happened at three years, five years, whatever, right? Like different stressors that led you to go, I need to have control because of X, Y, and Z. And so that for me as a fitness professional is like, okay, let's go look at X, Y, and Z. And the rest will start to take, take order on its own. But I'm dealing with that human first. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's a more, you know, establishing goals is great, but establishing values, establishing what you want your yeah. life to look like and ensuring that that doesn't just revolve around what you can physically, you know, what you physically can and can't do. But like for me, a really big one is if I start to worry, like one of my, you know, I want to be able to, as I say, do X, Y, Z, go and do the Spartan race at a weekend, go and do this, go and do right. that. all that stuff that people do know. They know when they think about, when you ask people what fitness means to them, they say all of this stuff. Right. But also I don't want to worry about missing workout. Like that is fundamental. Right. What I want, like for it's then, like you say, what is health? And it's right. probably yeah, not yeah. healthy to have that level of neuroticism. Right. So the minute I start worrying about, oh, fuck, like this was supposed to be push day. I know that I ventured into uh, or like one of my values is now being corrupted because part of being fully healthy for me is not letting right. all of that other stuff take precedent over just enjoying my life and not worrying about, you know, especially once you've yeah, reached a certain sure. level of functionality, like why I can carry a 130 kilogram sandbag for a hundred meters. Why do I care about this? <laughs> like what? I don't think missing this right. session is going to impact me greatly. Right. It's going to, it actually might do you some good because you could recover. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'll recover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. And I mean, and those are like, again, for, for the 99% of the people, like you're way fitter than anybody else. And it's, it's, it's again, like how much, how much fitness do you need based on how active do you want to be? Yeah. Right. So is the fitness only geared towards the specific, the specificity of, being in the gym or is the like why why mm. is it that we need this level of fitness right so if you need this level of fitness to be fitter inside the gym okay but like for me it's like i i want this level of fitness so that if you know like i was in mexico and they're like hey do you want to go jump in and, and free dive with humpback whales so like fuck yeah mm. but i know that i need to be able to hold my breath i need to be able to swim i need to be able you know what i mean so like 
that's always a question to ask yourself is like, why, like what's the level of fitness that you need and why? Yeah. Yeah. That, which is why we then create these, these very specific yardsticks, right? So we can keep progressing. Oh yeah. It's a full yeah, snatch or exactly. it's a power snatch or it's the X amount of muscle ups, but it's muscle ups with snatches. Like you can make it so specific. So there's always a fake place to find improvement, which I do think is great. And it, that emotionally, psychologically is fantastic in some ways in that we're always pushing but ourselves. It, be- but- it becomes a, it becomes a progression of skill, not an evolution yeah. of a human. Yeah. 100%. And so again, it keeps working to a certain point until it doesn't. Yeah. Right. So it keeps working until you keep wanting to progress the skill level when you as a human are still not there. Right. So it's like, I always tell this to people, it's like you want to, and I'm, I'm, I, I only say this because I'm a massive gadget buyer and everything. Right. So it's like, I want to try cycling and I'm like, beautiful, let's go cycle. And I'm like, well, first I need a bike. Okay. And I started looking at bikes and I was like, you know, cognitively and what makes sense is buy a cheap bike make sure that you enjoy cycling but you know performance means like well no if i buy a better bike because i saw that lance armstrong rode this bike and he won the tour de france so in your head you're like i'm already at tour de france is that how you know what i mean is and that so what you, lance armstrong did he just had a good bike right <laughs> great bike great bike bro <laughs> bad example man <laughs> it, it, it's all about the equipment <laughs> He had great equipment. We'll just yeah. put he had great equipment. Really good gear. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like he, you start to think about it and you mm-hmm. buy the bike. And you're like, okay, the bike is like, I should be faster because I have the bike, right? And then it's like, okay, but I need the shoes and I need the helmet. And you keep buying more and more and you keep buying more and more into it, thinking that that's going to make you a better cyclist. No, I mean, outside of the gear, like what made Lance Armstrong fucking amazing was uh, uh, some genetic freakishness going on there. But I mean, the amount of hard work. So like, you know, it's, we, we as humans think that buying, we've gotten so in, in our modern society thinking that buying things will passively make us better. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, kind of like what we were talking about in the beginning, but it's like, buying this will make me better. Like I buy all the fucking video gadgets and photo gadget stuff thinking that I'm going to become a great blogger, but I can't, what, what's going to make me a great blogger is got my phone and talking to the fucking camera, but yet I don't do it. I'm like, fuck. Right. So thinking about it doesn't get you there, which creates anxiety and creates me wanting to gain control, blah, 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 blah. So it's the same thing with fitness. It's like people want to keep buying into things to try and become better humans. They keep wanting to progress in skills, thinking that it's going to change who they are. No, right. It's, it's, it's not going to change who you are you applying yourself to perfect the fundamentals, if you will, or to truly understand that we're looking for a stimulus, like you going into CrossFit, loving it. This is the cycle that I tend to see then getting into weightlifting. Cause you can no longer, you, mm-hmm. do, you no longer enjoy creating that anxiety, that stress, that, that's that intensity, right? Getting into, I understand all the theories behind weightlifting and then having the, then, then it's like, it's about the programming. It's the programming that's not working for me. I'm like, no, it's you that's not working for you, right? Why aren't you doing the, the CrossFit stuff anymore? Not, not that you need to do CrossFit, but the high intensity, yeah. the stimulus yeah. is missing, right? Long distance runners lack high intensity. Weightlifters and powerlifters lack endurance. Plain and simple, you need all of it. You don't need a lot of it, but you need to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. not go to one extreme or the other. And so you're refusing 
to become a better human by paying attention to what you're lacking on the inside by taking it towards the external environment. Right. And so those are the things where you kind of pay attention to, okay, so what is it that we need in order to evolve the humans that we're working with in the fitness industry or to evolve yourself as a human? Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll always, that's where the neuroscience and (laughs) everything starts to come (laughs) in. If you go looking for something to be better at or one niche area to be stronger in, you're going to find it, right? And there's a, there, at a certain mm-hmm. level of, like to me, in my mind, at a certain level of strength, don't get me wrong, if you want to go away and do these things, like brilliant, it's no different to me to any other Amazing, hobby. Yeah. It's no different to me. Right. But at a certain level of strength, getting better or hitting this PB on the whatever specific movement, SOTS press, name your, you know, name whatever it is, is no you know, it, that is as arbitrary to me as being able to do a Rubik's cube really fast at a certain level of strength. Like you've just found something really specific. Right. Like it's oddly specific. Yeah. Um, it's your I, niche. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> no, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, we're talking right now because we love this thing, presumably. Right. So it's all good. It's all cool. Right. But I, I think to circle back to what we were saying is you need to establish your own values, right. So that you know, where you've gone off the deep end or where you are no longer being true to what it was you set out to do in the first place. Right. And it's so easy to become Absolutely. a lot. You started to make an example earlier and I had exactly the same thing where one time I just got really obsessed with, I can't, it was a while back, so I can't remember what the number was, but it was a particular strength deadlift. And right. I, you know, I, I hammered it so much and I started drinking a gallon of milk a day uh, to put the, you know, mass, yes. moves, mass, put this weight on, gave myself lactose intolerance. It was like being sick, shitting through the eye of a needle, like, and got, I got like 6% body fat heavier. And then I pulled it and I was like, right. shit, you didn't even what want to do like, you, you actually go to the gym to some degree to look like you actually go to the gym. Like that's one of your values right. is you would like to maintain a certain level of body fat. And now you don't yeah. for what? for what <laughs> for this deadlift yeah for one deadlift yeah yeah and it, yeah it's it's a it's a crazy we like to challenge ourselves but then we get obsessed with the challenge yeah. sometimes and you can't see outside of that scope yeah. right i mean that's that's basically where it is it's like you see all of it until you get to that point where it could be you've reached that objective and then what and that's where you're like oh fuck well maybe i didn't need i didn't want to be this bulky with the deadlift or this or this or this right so you're like fuck well now what do i do that's why i think balance in the value is right it's like hey i want to be this strong but not at the expense of this and i you know a person one thing for me is whenever i go on a strength phase or you know any you know i'm doing a strongman comp or something i start doing that i just keep muscle ups in in the program because i'm like i don't want to lose the ability to do a muscle up that's a big thing for me let's keep that and that way i know i use it as a diagnostic tool right i know that I've either, I've either rendered myself very fucking immobile from just doing do too much overhead right. pressing or I'm fat, you know, like pick whatever it is, yeah. one of these things. But one of my values is I'd like to be able to continue to do a muscle up. And if that goes, I know I'm sacrificing my values in pursuit of this specific thing. Right. And I know people who, right. there's people who are listening, who are you, you guys, you're mega hardcore. I know you are, and you're listening and you're going, yeah, but sometimes that's what it takes. That's cool. But I yeah. got things From, that I like to keep in my life. 
Yeah, and that was one of the things where it was like, um, you know, what's the the investment versus the reward? Yes. Where I was, you know, I I started looking at, you know, and I wanted to go be world, go to worlds for powerlifting, which I qualified, and I wanted to, you know, go to the CrossFit Games, which I realized quickly that I just I'm not, I just don't enjoy endurance. And that was mainly the biggest thing that yeah. CrossFit at the time was going through. And so, I mean, I, I'm very good at, I was very good at moving heavy weight quickly. Right. Um, and I could do the gymnastic stuffs and everything, but it was a, it was a point where I came where I was like, okay, so I've obsessed over this for whatever reason. I'm in a very niche sport of powerlifting, which I find extremely boring. Like if you've ever been into a powerlifting meet and you're like jesus like people were like oh we're so excited to go see i was like nah don't don't go i'm like you're gonna go sit for 10 hours and i'm gonna do literally all my nine lifts combined is 45 seconds like there's just no point like it's just it's it's miserable right and so i was like okay so then what comes after this like let's say that i were become this massive you know power lifter like outside of if you don't, if you can't create the content like Larry wheels or like those one percenters, like, what am I doing all of this for? Right. For what, what, what's the glory, right. And it's the same pursuit that you have with mountaineering. Don't get me wrong. Like it's the same thing. Like, why am I climbing the mountain? And it's the, it's when you're only searching for that deadlift that you wanted to pull as a result, that's when you really lose the evolution of a human. That's what I meant by progressions. Like I love weightlifting. Don't get me wrong. I love powerlifting. I love mountaineering. I love rock climbing, but I love the journey of what I learn about myself. It's when I start to go for just the number. It's when I want to go for just the competition. Then I'm like, what is all this for? Like I'm investing 80% of my revenue to massage therapists and and 90% of my time, if not a hundred percent of my time to do this. I'm wrecking myself for what? Like, what is it that I want out of it, right? Like, where, where, what in my in my vision? Like, what is it that I want? Like, it's not like I'm gonna walk up because like, oh my gosh, you're that you're you're Richard Estevez, the deadlifter, you know, whatever amount of weight. No, like you could have Eddie Hall right now, you know, just because he's a little bit shorter, walk around and they'll look at him because he's a big dude, but they're not gonna be like, oh my gosh, you're Eddie Hall. Like, a small percentage. Well, maybe in the UK it's different, right? But like, even with Matt Frazier or you know, like I have clients that are influencers and they have millions of followers, but I mean, in reality, like they could still walk around and nobody's going to know who the fuck they are. Like you're not doing it for that type of glory. So what is it that you're trying to get out of it? And that's when I realized for me for powerlifting, like, you know, circle back to the beginning, it was like a fuck you to the doctor, but it stopped being about me. So I would sacrifice my health. I would sacrifice my back. I would sacrifice my hip. And I'm like, for what? So I started to go, so for the short-term reward of being able to pull 280 kilos, but what's the long-term value? Hip replacement? Yeah. Like, is that really being fit and healthy? Like having to sit in a chair for six months again because I need to go get my hip replaced? That's not healthy, right? Herniations in my back because I either not bracing properly or this or that happened because you're creating a higher risk of injury. Like, that's not healthy. That's mm. not fit. That's not going to make me any better as a human. You know what I mean? So then I, I really started to take a look at that. And I was like, why is it that I started to get so obsessed with this? And it was, again, it was a fuck you to the doctor that told me that I should not be lifting. So I was like, but I've changed my constraints. I'm not getting stronger anymore. 
because I'm having to sit down in the bed because I'm fucking breaking. And because I think that if I, if I take two rest days, my, my gains are going to go away. So I need to go back to the gym and I'm trying to constantly force myself to rest because I know I need it, but mentally my head's in the gym and I'm not present with my girlfriend on a date, not wife. Like all of this is happening and I've become so, I've become an addict to this thing that was supposed to be healthy and make me better and make me healthy. I was like, so that's not a long-term value, yeah. <laughs> right? What, it, what, what was that search for, dude? And so that was like an entire relearning process of like, okay, so, you know, let's set up the values. Let's set up the constraints. What is it that we want? And like, like you have, like, I have the same thing. I was like, for me, it's not, can I accomplish the task, but can I accomplish the task without having to stress about yes, it? So can I walk it. up to hundred kilos and clean it? without having to stress like, oh my God, my back's going to blow up or my shoulder or this or mm-hmm. that, right? Because that was me deadlifting. It was like, dude, I, would, I had a six-week cycle. Like I know I'm going to hit, you know, I don't know if you guys do pounds or kilos, but I know I'm going to hit 250 kilos, but I'm going to have to go to my chiropractor afterwards and then I'm going to do acupuncture. Then I got to go to the jacuzzi and then I'm going to do the ice bath and then I'm going to do this. I'm going to wait four weeks and now I'm going to start to put the weight back on and I'm going to get to 250 kilos again. I'm like, oh fuck, I know I'm going to back, I'm going to fuck myself up but I told myself I was going to pull it and then I pull it and then I fucked myself up again. Right. So the, it was, it was a vicious, vicious addictive cycle of creating a norm out of it. Like I know I'm going to be hurt, but it's because it's for the greater glory of strength. That's exactly the word <laughs> I was going to use, right? We glorify it. We glorify yeah. it. And um, I was having this exact conversation with someone the other day and he kind of was like cheekily saying, well, you know what, man, that's, you know, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. And I'm like, do you yeah. want a real challenge? Do you want a real challenge? Try and do that without any of the bullshit that you're putting yourself through. That's a real challenge. You're yeah. taking the easy way out by becoming like a neurotic maniac. That's the easy way. That's the coward's yeah. way to do it. You're allowing yourself to go down that. Why don't you try and do it whilst still like being a normal functioning human being? Like that's a challenge. Yeah, exactly. That's the challenge. Right? Right. Why don't you try and do it's it without simple. worrying about it the night before? And you can't right. do that until you put the constraint on to say, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, the minute I start worrying about this, the minute I start losing sleep about this, the minute I start drifting off and identifying with like this, this thought stream of like, oh, when I get into the gym tonight, I'm worried I'm not going to be able to do blah, blah, blah. Try and do it without right. doing all of that. That's the challenge, right? Try and do it. Yeah, man. Stick to your exactly. own values. It's, it's- yeah, but again, I think that people start to, again, I th- out of one of the root causes of this is is the need for validation mm-hmm. through your community. Yeah. Right? Well, to and have so, a community you know, at all, right? But now everybody has a community. You have Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And so you're like, fuck, I didn't post. I didn't work out. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Right? Ooh. And so now you're pulling weight, but the other dude's pulling more weight who's on gear, not on gear. Who cares? He's pulling more weight. I got to get there. Mm -hmm. Now you're really going to start to stress out because now the community that you had of 150 people in your gym have now become, you know, however many people on social media. And if you have, if you start to become a little more of a public figure there, then it's even more so because you're like, well, shit, I need to live by example because this is who my persona is. This is my identity now. And now that's where like the metaverse stuff and all this shit, like just with social media in general, like it's extremely stressful because you have people that I have people that comment on my shit that I don't know who they are. And you're like, okay, like, fuck, 
And now I get stressed out and I see a comment from a physio going like, that's where's the study for this and this and this. And I was like, whoa, I was like, I was merely just pointing out yeah. that I observed with over a hundred clients that I've worked with that when the foot goes out and the foot starts to cramp, the psoas is usually underactive. Like that's, and you're blowing yourself up. Like how upset are you and how mm. much time do you have that you need to stress about it? And I was like, but now you're stressing me out. Like, how am I supposed to respond? And now I'm like, shit, do I need to go look for a study to prove that mm. I've gotten these people out of pain? Like I have people out of pain and discomfort. Like, why isn't that enough? And so like, it, like it starts to become this yeah. vicious cycle where it's like, Hey, now I don't want to do this because there's that asshole that's going to say, where's the study or where's this or where's yeah. that? Or and you're like, well, fuck, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. And those that don't give a fuck that are usually the ones that are just always putting stuff you know, but they're suffering in other ways too. And so like, yeah. it's the same thing. It's you're looking for validation and that's why it's what it takes because it's for the validation of social media, for the likes, for the followers, for this, for that. And that's where you start to lose people in that long-term value and they just want the short-term reward. Yeah. And the, the odd thing is it's such a, it's all just a giant fallacy or an illusion as well, because people think you're pretty cool if you're the guy who can do it all, but doesn't really get to attach to it like people find that very cool people right. find that very noble and very like oh i wish i could be like you know more chill out with it like you you the, right. the only thing that's <laughs> stopping you is that you're even thinking that <laughs> like that's the thing that's stopping yeah. you like people are very yeah. impressed if it's, you could just live your life and still be strong right <laughs> yeah and and i mean i think that's one of the things where i'm like when people know me in person I, you know, maybe I look like this health person online or anything, but I mean, I'm, I'm just me, man. Like, you know, I see my clients. So I was like, Hey, let's go for a beer. Like I used to love my, when I had my CrossFit gym and all my 9am ladies would show up and like, you could just tell like, they just, they were all talking. I was like, let's just go have breakfast. They're like, fuck yeah, let's go have breakfast. You know what I mean? And like, you're just you, like, let's just, again, I think people need to understand how to connect with who they are better to really mm. understand what this whole fitness thing is right and how it can benefit to their life not take over their life yeah you know and that's that's the that's the biggest thing is like i am who i am like i love cigars i love whiskey i love tequila i love mezcal and it's not to take shots at a club although i do like to go i would now with kids not so much i'd rather just get good night's sleep but dude let's go have a wild night and go dancing and yeah. listen to good music and take some shots not every night and not every week and like yeah of course but you say that and you go of course but you do that at the gym <laughs> right you go six days a week and you go three hours a, a day and everything like yeah. it's the same shit like at extremes yeah go test your fitness but it doesn't need to happen every day Right. And so that, those are the things like I've, I've been seeing your post about training versus competing or, you know what I mean? Like what's the difference. Right. And, and, and you need to train to compete. You need to train to become better, but what's that better for me? It's like, better. I want to have balance. Like, yeah, yeah go have a, I'd rather get two good shots of whiskey than to down half a bottle. Yeah. Personally. Right. I, I, you know, and, and, and so the, the, those are the things, again, going back to like the cooking metaphors and everything, like, you just really trying to understand the craft of it is, is the important part. So when you have your clients or if you're out there listening, it's like, what is your craft in fitness? Like, are you just wanting to be a stuntman? Like, do you like the philosophy and the approach to it? You know, do you just like to have all the data and really understand the science behind how the body works? You need a little bit of it all. Right. And then how does that benefit you for the greater good of who you are? and where you are in the society and where you are with your family and how do you keep progressing that forward? How do you keep evolving that? 
to there's no perfect human you know what i mean like like we were having that conversation there's no right or wrong but it's like maybe you just really enjoy the gym atmosphere right like that's the biggest thing that made crossfit so amazing and i yeah. still love crossfit for is the communities that it created and the 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 connection to humans that we were able to have and still have right and 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 that's what the fitness world is is that you're able to have a place where you can better your health physically mentally emotionally if the doors are open to it yeah right and so that 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 is solely dependent on that community leader and so it's those health professionals that need to really understand that they are community leaders like what you do in that gym reflects directly on your community and i've been through so many of them and it's interesting because the entire gym will have almost kind of like the same background as the gym owner right but he's the leader of of that and they have the same imbalances and same uh weaknesses as the gym owner or as the main coach and so it's really interesting how you start to see humans as behavior love control right they don't want chaos they want order and so they'll find order even if it's disorder or dysfunctional but it's order for them they yeah. it becomes comfortable and so again it's it's going back to that we need to stress that it needs to be a positive type of stress to the body and to the mind and to the emotions for it to evolve and to bloom and to grow not to become addicted in this vicious abusive cycle because that's what we're doing you're abusing your body not giving yourself the day's rest and not doing this and not doing that and you know there's for what <laughs> yeah what are you seeking? What are you, what are you scratching for in there? What is it yeah, you're, exactly. you're, you're, you're searching around for in there that you can't find inside and saying to me that there's people that can go and train with a fierce intensity for 40 minutes straight. Like, you know, you put them on Miko's triangle and they're hitting 18, 19 calories every minute, like just sheer beasts. And they, they'll talk about the mental game and talk about grit and they'll talk about their, I went to a dark place, but they can't sit on a mat for 30 minutes with their eyes closed. Mm -hmm. And you're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. dude, what you're looking for but is not in the gym. Yeah. And I was working with a client that was very intense. Right. But, but I, I understood something and I, and I was able to see something and uh, I'm like, you're not, you're a beast. Yeah. But you're not going into the intensity. Like you, you understand how to displace completely from the intensity. I've seen that with the special ops guys. Like there's a point. Yeah, I, I get it. Cause they're, they're elite level. There's a point where you do need to dissociate from that intensity and just survive and be able to perform, but that's not what this is for. So I need you here. And as soon as I, I can get, I'm very good at reading people's face and, and body. As soon as I put them present and, and force them to, take that intensity they can't be there for five minutes right just like laying on a mat for 30 minutes like you can't and so you have people do that and uh, i call them swami sessions where it's laying on the mat and and breathing and, and creating tension through the muscles and you see right away that they cannot be with they cannot take their own intensity and so you start going hey so am i doing this right and i was like yeah no because you're talking to me like just be with yourself yeah. just breathe <laughs> and they start looking around and they and you're like dude just lay there man mm -hmm. Like we'll get to the intense part, but right now I need you here. And and you do you see the same thing with training, but like I'll see people and, and you can see it right in their eyes. They'll start doing a crazy intensity workout, like on that bike, but you look at the face and it's just well, they're just completely displaced. They've shut off the mind and the intensity so it can just continue to move. 
which again is needed if you're going to be going into battle, into war, yeah. into and fight, in, and into in competition, right? Whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're here, like the whole point here is to become a better yeah. human, isn't it? Your or training. to like understand and understand what your true capabilities are. Like, I think that's where most people lose is they don't understand their true capabilities because we as humans have amazing ways to displace in order to survive, mm-hmm. right? What's fit? The ability to complete the task. <laughs> not presently, not anything. It's just, I need to complete this objective and I will do anything necessary because my mind is stronger than my body. That's their thought process yeah. until the body starts to break. You know, but it's, it's a full displacement of the mind and body connection where they're displacing from the tension. They're not finding pleasure in the intensity. They're using the intensity to escape completely. And so that's where you start to see the lack there of progress in either aesthetics or performance, right? So that's where you start to see people that will displace completely and there's no aesthetic changes or they displace completely, but the performance will start lacking and they could be completely jacked, but there's just nobody home. Yeah. And they don't know how to take it any further at that point, right? Because they're not there with it. Yeah. They're not there with it. So how do you take it further if you're not there? You know, if you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I've had clients that come in and, and I work a lot with, you know, kind of helping people out of pain and discomfort. And we'll do a simple exercise of, you know, just sit there and raise your leg. And I was like, how did that feel? And they have no clue how to answer yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or doing deadlifts or doing a, a, a sandbag carrier, doing this or that. And I'm like, how did that feel? And they don't know how to answer. There's no, they're like, what do you mean? I did, I did what you told me to. I was like, so you just check the box, but you don't know what your body's feeling right now. Like, is your back feeling like you came to me because your back hurts. I made you do an exercise and you can't tell me how your back is feeling. Let's start with that. Well, no, I feel it, but I always feel it. So I just learned to live with it. You're like, okay, but you came to see me because you don't want to feel it anymore. (laughs) You know, so let's try looking at, and you start to realize like how little attention span or how little true intensity mentally and physically together a human can tolerate. And that's the key. It's not just mental intensity or physical intensity. They can do one or the other, but together they cannot tolerate it. And that's the hard part of laying on the mat and having to be with yourself, breathing and creating tension in the body because you need to be there by yourself with yourself, right? So mentally and physically connecting. And that's the hard part. And that's where I see the most displacement of of tension or displacement of intensity coming from. You can be in one or the other, but you can't be in both. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you look at anyone that's truly successful, it's not their ability to not be there. It's their ability to be there. And just to to make two really easy examples that prove it through almost polarization. And because every guy knows them, if we think of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Mike Mentzer and Yates, high intensity guys, it's the thing that they're doing two polar opposite um, practices or, you know, in terms of their, their, their their programming philosophies, but they're both there. Whether it's Arnold talking about, you know, I'm there, I'm pumping, I've got the mind-muscle connection, (laughs) or it's Dorian Yates just doing the supine, they're just both there. And so, as you mentioned, both of them, isn't it crazy what, how different their physiques are? Uh 
And so that's, that's a Willem Reich muscle armoring, right? But so, and we can talk, we can do another podcast with Dr. I was, ju- I was just going to say, I was, I'm, I'm making a list and now so, of stuff to catch up on next time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We have a whole lot, man. Uh, but that's where you can start to see the difference, right? Because Arnie was about, hey man, it's pump, it's sex, it's good time, yeah. it's luscious, mm-hmm. it's sexual, it's, it's beautiful. And Dorian Yates was pure, pure hatred almost. Right? Like it was just a very Suffering. dark, yeah. painful place. And so the muscles will develop differently. And, and I think with Dr. Ed, we kind of understand a be- much better reason why. And again, emotions and behaviors in the muscles have, is, a, is a huge connection. Um, but yeah, I mean, even talking to like watching like Usain Bolt is another great example, right? Because as soon as he stopped in loving the running aspect of it, that's when performance started to go shit, right? Looking at Mike Tyson, like that's another great example. Like that dude is just constantly there, like watching all his interviews, like, no, I want to go in the ring and kill people. Yeah. Like, it's not about the money or fame or anything. Like, I just want to go fucking hunt. You know what I mean? Like, but you, you see it in their performance because they're mentally and physically ready to go to war, right? You, if you're mentally ready to go to war, but you need 80 minutes to warm up and your back is blowing up, you're not going to do very good in war. Like if you're showing up to your competition at 60% of your capacity because you overtrain and sabotage your training phase for the competition, you're not ready to perform. You're not going to do so yeah. hot. You know what I mean? And that's a mental, physical disconnect. That's you trying to sabotage yourself. And, you know, it could be for whatever stress reasons. And I was great at this because I was so afraid to perform. I was a great trainer. Like I can train and I can perform very well in training. But in the actual competition, I would show up broken. And it was a fear of success. Yeah. I was so afraid of the competition being better that if I showed up broken, I had an excuse to go, I should have won, but my shoulder was hurting when I got here and this and butt and butt and butt. Right. And so now I'm at a point where I've grown. I'm like, that's no longer an excuse. I'm going to execute, but I'm going to do it smart. I'm going to do it correctly. I'm going to understand my weaknesses and get people to come help me. Right. And so that's like, that's what it takes. No, what it takes is for you to understand your weaknesses and fill those gaps. So you can truly perform to your best at the competition. Yeah. Where those gaps are, you know, learning to rest, where those gaps are changing movement patterns, where those gaps are mentally, physically, or emotionally, right? Those gaps need to be filled in order for you to perform at your best. When did Mike Tyson start losing his shit? When he was not able to perform emotionally, right? He couldn't handle the success. He was fucking losing it. You know what I mean? So there's, there's always those tears. Like where, where is your gap on that macro spectrum? Not the micro spectrum, but the macro spectrum. Is it physically, mentally, or emotionally? Which one are you gapping? Because that's where the injury starts to come in, the pain, the aches, the excuses, X, Y, Z, right? The ritualistic behaviors. It's because you're not willing to face one thing of, out of those three pillars. Yeah, yeah. At least in my eyes. In my philosophy, there's no scientific stuff, guys, so don't ask for the papers. Maybe there is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my experience. <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. I get it, dude. I do. I'm, I'm conscious of time, Richard, and we've got a section we call a Toolbox Talk. Yeah where uh, a round of quick fire questions, just looking for some instantly actionable information that people can uh, take away and implement into their life like right away. So I'm just going to, but I am making a list ready for part two because there's whole sections here that I'm like, we didn't even cover this. uh, If you could make one book or piece of media compulsory reading or watching for other people new to the industry, training, or indeed everybody, what would it be? And it doesn't need to be a book. This could be absolutely anything that someone could digest. I would do an educational video on my Swami technique, learning how to breathe and connect to your body. Short and to the point. 
do you have something like that available already that someone could go away and look at like right now if not what would you it's going to be coming up uh i'll be uploading it in the next week and to the barracuda way there you go get yourselves over there yeah if you could go and get ready for an uncomfortable uncomfortable time and if you if you think you're hardcore in the gym wait till you've got your eyes closed and you're just trying to connect to your body spooky yeah. stuff for some people right <laughs> if you could go back in time no and... you're looking at it the wrong way it needs to be a i always tell people it's not a horror story it's like pirates of the caribbean it's a fun it's fun a fun adventure. oh yeah no no i'm i'm all yeah, i'm all dead, on board mate. there's dead pirates but... yeah i'm all on board like anything i can do to um anything i can do to trip without you know chemical assistance i'm all i'm like i'm there i'm there for every like inner yeah. inner state of uh of exploration i can give you a fun time at the gym bro <laughs> i'll be in london i'll be in london soon i'll be in london soon let's get it done yeah if you could go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or two of your training career or adult life what advice would you have for yourself oh shit um go do the fun shit now don't wait till later boom that's great so good so good do you, do you see the pattern now and i think it's especially prevalent in crossfit but it's probably everywhere of people trying to justify a way to shoehorn the fun stuff back in to that but keep it within the realms of you know i'm doing functional bodybuilding i'm doing you know trying to shoehorn in the stuff that they're missing the fun stuff they want to get around to and they need to find a sort of peer approved way yeah getting it in. exactly fuck fuck everybody do just do it go do what go do what you enjoy yeah, yeah. exactly yeah just it's it's a the validation can come later fuck that yeah. shit yeah. go do the fun shit go do fun things and by the way most people will validate you because they're just like in awe of the fact you're going and having fun like most yeah. people are like that's right. the great that's the great <laughs> catch you go and do people are like oh i wish i was more like that guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you name one item that you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively that has given you a, a, a massive return on investment? So like one thing you couldn't live without or you would just recommend that everyone go out and buy? Um, jam, dude. I, don't, I, I, buy, I, I buy gadgets for fun, but like health-wise, I would say go purchase electrolytes with low sugar. That's the one thing that has really carried me through. The next one would be like my Phillips one blade. Cause I always need to be good looking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, that question. But a piece of equipment. Cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any equipment. I be, I became like a equipment head and now I don't have any equipment and I don't miss any of it. I hate having to go to the gym with like a big bag of mm. carrying all this shit around. So I seriously, I don't, I don't carry any equipment with me anymore. So I don't have an answer for that one. What about a, a yeah. sort of lifestyle wise? Is there anything that just makes a huge difference in your life? Electrolytes. What's your rationale? Though? Yeah, What's I think electro. Um, I don't drink enough water. Mm. I don't think. And I'm always, I drink too much coffee. And yeah, I think that the, the electrolytes allow me to really balance out my yeah. my magnesium and potassium and all of that. So I think the electrolytes are huge. I think most people are more, you're always feeling thirsty or you're not drinking enough water. Like if you could just add in electrolytes throughout the day, especially if you're training, I think that a lot of people don't get enough magnesium or sodium as needed. Yeah. 
I think very so few I, people. It, fall it makes a massive change yeah. energy wise. Mm-hmm. Even just, um, I know you mentioned obviously uh, yeah, potassium there, but even the, and people are really turned off by this. But even just like some salt in your water, I th- I, very few people yeah. I find fall straight down the middle. Either people don't drink enough and they drink too much caffeine, etc., or they're like hyperlatremic. They drink so much they're pissing like a racehorse. And you got to know, right. I'm, I'm in Non-stop. that camp, so I know my electrolyte balance is out of whack because I drink too much water. It's like a compulsion. So I just yeah. add electrolytes just to, you know, make so my Yeah, and if you don't have electrolytes, Himalayan salt and, yeah, and, wa- that's, and limes. That's, 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 what I, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do drink too much, too much coffee too. I do too much of everything. I do. Yeah. It's, it's, I always tell people I'm very well balanced at all extremes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, uh, when people talk to me about balance, I'm like, you got to remember balance is on scale. So just keep putting things on either side yeah. and you'll be all right. <laughs> just keep stacking it up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only perform one exercise or movement for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? And you can, you can still walk and run and all of those bets. Ooh. uh dips dips that's the first the first time yeah. for dips dude talk me through it oh uh, yeah uh they're amazing for the upper body uh if you do them correctly you can target lats terrace major pec major cavicular head of the pec side delts front delt triceps biceps it's a, the best upper body builder and if you said i can run and hike i can build up my quads by doing hill sprints so i'm good to go or bike sprints yeah. <laughs> if you want to see big if you want to see big quads <laughs> yeah get on that get on the bike sprints so, yeah. yeah dips so yeah first being time able to do dips i think it's a, if if they're done correctly it's the safest thing for the shoulder i mean they're great for shoulder health as well um yeah dips dips for the win yeah probably this one of the single most underrated exercises for me dips, yeah like for dip sure time and people don't want to hear it either when people say oh, what do you do you're like i oh, just do a ton of dips and like yeah dips come on man <laughs> yeah. yeah they're awesome they're yeah. great so good so good uh richard where can people find you online online uh rare barracuda instagram so I have rare barracuda the barracuda way movement ayahuasca and the barracudaway.com well guys uh go and check all of that out um rich has got a a, just a real wealth of um you know a back catalog of stuff you can look through and find endless experimentations and uh I, I sincerely hope by this point, listeners of listeners of this podcast are are there. They're at that place of this is a place of experimentation, and um you know yeah you got to find you got to find the dance that the dance that dances back for you. Um, so go and, uh, go and uh, browse through the shop front. There is Instagram and look at all the, the resources Richard's got up there, but dude, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, let's get part two scheduled in. Cause yeah, for sure. I wanted Anytime, to touch brother. on muscle armoring and et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> breath work. Let's get that next lot. time. Dude. Next time we can do one subject. Yeah. Keep it yeah, one yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get an. I'll just but get yeah, like we'll, I'm gonna we'll write it, it in big letters in front of me and just put a timer up as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Beautiful. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye, man. Take care. And there we have it. Thank you for listening in, guys. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would be greatly appreciated if you could drop us a review on your podcast app of choice. Any feedback you've got, 
please send it over via social media and don't hesitate to tell us what you would like to hear more of. I'm AT. This has been the Bulldog Gear podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys.